You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here on the Locked On Nationals podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. You guys know the deal. If you have not signed up for Spotify Green Room yet, you are missing out on so much fun conversing, interacting, and talking with your favorite friends, podcast hosts, writers, athletes, and more. Download Spotify Green Room today. On today's show, part two of my conversation with Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington, we look at the rest of of the Nationals draft beyond the first round. And then we take a look at the team as it is constituted right now. We discuss John Lester. We discuss we discuss what moves the Nationals can make. And also, really, how close to contention are the Nats right now in the National League East and the National League as a whole. All that coming up on today's show. Man, so I want to ask you, if Kumar Rocker was available at 11, he's, he would have been the pick, right? He's on the Nets, yeah. No doubt yeah. in my mind. I mean, the, the Nationals have kind of seen the floor for him, but I never thought – I 100% expected the Mets to take Rocker if he was there, so I never expected the Nationals to get him, which is funny because if the Nats had lost two more games last year, uh, they, they would have had the sixth pick. So they would have had their choice of those guys up, up at the top. So, right. um, And who knows, maybe they even take House at that point. But I, I really think that, that Rocker – you know, the Nationals are a team that when a guy who has a lot of hype uh, has that hype die down and he falls to them, they take, you know, the, the yeah. with Seth Romero was kicked out of Houston, would have could have, you know, was uh, in contention right. for number one overall pick. Uh, but he gets kicked out, you know, has, a, you know, a marijuana incident. He falls to the Nats. They have uh, Eric Fetty uh, fell to them uh, because they knew he was going to get Tommy John shortly after the draft. Lucas Giolito got Tommy John before the draft and he fell to them. You know, Anthony Rendon. Uh, could have gone one one, but he ended up falling to them at six because of some injury concerns. He had some uh, hip surgery in college. So, you know, that's just kind of the Nationals MO. And, and Rocker, you know, didn't really have uh, an injury or a character issue. Yeah, I think he, the College World Series might have thrown people a little bit off the yeah. scent. I don't really know what the deal was. He, he didn't pitch great in that, I'll be honest. But you know what I equate that to is, is Justin Fields. Uh, fall into the Bears. <laughs> Everybody yeah. was talking about Fields as the number two quarterback in the draft. It was Lawrence in Fields all year and then he has yeah. one bad game against clemson and everyone freaks out dude and then all of a sudden it's yeah. we're hearing about zach wilson we're you know trey lance is trey lance are you kidding uh, you know you know what it is it, it's the amount of time it's just there's so much time between the, the end of the season and the draft it's just people need to, and eventually and then teams end up playing so themselves strong. yeah it's and you play yourself and look the mets all they had to do was sit there now here's what i'll say you know I don't know if teams necessarily play themselves. Like I saw what the what the Royals did, right? And you can say it's playing yourself, but look, they're just trying to save that bonus money for later on in the draft. That's my understanding sure. of it. Orioles did that too. Orioles did the same thing too. Um, what are your thoughts about just about the, the picks that happened before the Nats, right? Like like Henry Davis going number one. I I'm a fan of that. Um, I, I think Tim Corbin mentioned it too, getting a guy who can run a pitching staff. Like that spoke to me hearing that. It's like, oh yeah, that's why catcher is such a premium freaking mm-hmm. position right yeah so I, I i like that um i like jack lighter too just saying you know what this kid's a bit this this kid's been the best proven pitcher out there the job kid i don't i mean the kid started pitching last year right that that's when he started actually pitching so who the hell knows what's gonna happen with him so 
a lot of intriguing stuff at the top. What were your thoughts on some of the other picks that were non, not towards the Nats? Yeah, I know uh, Marcelo Mayer was was considered the favorite to go one one to the Pirates. Sox, Sox got a great trade ship there. That's what I think about that one. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I mean, uh, you know, they always say up the middle is is where you want to invest uh, when you coach the draft. You know, catchers, pitchers, shortstop, second base, and center fielders. Uh, obviously, pitchers are a different category, but you know, those guys tend to be your most athletic players. They tend to be, uh, you know players who, you know, you might be able to move to other positions down the line, depending on your organizational need. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, when you're a kid and you're coming up in the major, you know, uh, in the little league, high school, whatever, you know, they're going to put your, your coaches are going to put you there if you're the most talented uh, because, you know, you're going to get more opportunities to uh, produce. You're going to get more opportunities to help your team. Uh, so that just tends to be where a lot of the talent is consolidated to is those positions. But uh, I, I did, I like to pick with Davis, I, you know, I understand it. I, you know, I think he actually has a higher projected bat than Mayer, so uh, that makes sense to me too. He was a stud. Uh, I think that Lighter should have gone first, though. I mean, that's just me. Uh, but if if you're intent on taking a bat with, with the first pick, you're intent on taking a bat. So you know, that's that's the Pirates' call. I do think Pirates are one of the most ineptly run organizations in baseball over the last decade, <laughs> but that's just me. Um, I, I did think that it was interesting that we were thought we might get you know four shortstops drafted in, in the top ten, and we only ended up getting two. Uh, with House going to Nats at 11, and then uh, Khalil Watson, Watson. yeah, yeah Watson. from Marlins at 16. Um, you know that was a great was, that was a great steal for them. That's yeah, true. that was the fact that he went that far was absolutely bonkers to me. I couldn't believe as many teams passed on him as as they did. Uh, I think he was number two on ESPN's top 250 uh, in terms of just you know overall talent. So uh, right. the fact that he fell away to 16 is an absolute steal, and they're going to have to sign him over. So I think that was part of the reason that he fell so far was because he was still going to look for top five pick money, you know? Right. And, and so some of those teams, I guarantee it, you know, just didn't really want to give it to him. And so they, you know, decided, ah, oh, you know, I, we don't want to sign a guy for that over slot here. We're just going to wait. And finally the Marlins were willing to pull the trigger and kudos to them because, you know, at a, when you're picking 16th in the draft, it's a crapshoot. And if you can get a yeah. player with that kind of upside, I don't care what that does to the rest of your draft strategy. You do it. Yeah. I'm with you on that. What about some of the other guys that we saw the Nationals take? Uh, let's see. Is it Dalen Leal? Is that his name? Lyle? Lyle. Lyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is an outfielder from, uh, from Kentucky High School. Yeah. Uh, Brandon, help me out with this one. I think it's Boise. Boise. Honestly, I'm not 100% sure. I didn't watch much Arizona baseball. I saw him play a couple games. Obviously, they were in the College World Series and collapsed against Vanderbilt. Uh, Dustin Signs from AM. Uh, TJ White, a high school outfielder. So, what about you know outside of the uh, and then also uh, Michael Kirian, Kirian, whatever it is um, from. Obviously, I'm not familiar with these guys at all. But uh, what can you know? Anybody here catch your eye with, with where these guys got where these guys went? Yeah, you know, I, I did think it was interesting that they only selected three pitchers in the top ten, uh, and two of them, Will Frizzle and, and Michael Kirian, project long term as relievers. Uh, so signs is really the only player that might stick, uh, as a starter. Uh, you know, he was, he was pretty good for the Aggies last year. Uh, I think that that was a, a pretty sneaky pick by them. Uh, Dalen Lyle, he stood out the most to me, obviously he's a second round pick. So, you know, you, you like to have first round upside in your second round picks if you can get them. And he is definitely a guy who fits that bill. Uh, one, the Rawlings player of the year award this past year is, is the undisputed top, um, high schooler, uh, in the country. Uh, so that that's a pretty cool accolade for him. Uh, and he's a guy who doesn't hit for a ton of power, but his hit tool is, is considered amazing. Uh, I was looking at the stats yesterday at 550 uh, as a senior, 
um, had 18 home runs and 19 singles, uh, which those home runs, that, that pace probably isn't going to last over his career. But in no. 160 at-bats, he struck out only seven times, uh, which is just absolutely insane. So, you know, he, he's a guy who sees the strike zone very well, can hit to all fields. Uh, you know, you really love that hit tool. The only thing is, is his, his as a fielder, they're not really sure if he can stay in center field. That's what he's been playing uh, in high school, but he probably will end up being a corner outfielder. Apparently his instincts aren't as great uh, as far as the fielding goes. So um, he might just be an all or nothing hitter, um, but you know, the, the nationals need bats in their system. And so I think going with the, you know, two guys who really have high potential bats, uh, even if they are high schoolers, uh, just kind of stock that side of your farm system. I think that was definitely the right way to go. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by our friends at Freshly. Dinner time can be chaotic, but with Freshly, it's easy. Their chefs take care of your meals a few nights a week, and they take the pressure off you. We're trying to get in shape and eat right. Freshly can help. Their delicious meals are designed by nutritionists and cooked by chefs, making it easier to eat better. Stressed? Tired? Just don't feel like cooking food? That's fast. Uh, they've got fast food that's fast, not fast food. Uh, it does not have to be... Uh, you know, you cooking at this point, they will take care of it for you. Right now, go to Freshly.com. They're offering our listeners $40 off your first two orders. When you go to Freshly.com slash Locked On MLB, stop stressing about dinner. Go to Freshly.com slash Locked On, and uh, you'll get $40 off on your first two orders. Once again, that's Freshly.com slash Locked On for $40 off your first two orders. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is also brought to you by our friends, at Spotify Green Room. Uh, Spotify Green Room is the perfect place to start or join the conversation about the leagues that you love. You'll find fans just like you on Green Room for watch parties, debates, post game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. You'll have a chance to chat with me and might even get a chance to be featured on the Locked On Nationals podcast through our Green Room conversations. Definitely be doing one of these coming up here tomorrow on Thursday during the day. So make sure you guys. Uh, get in on the action there. Go to your uh, your app store, download the Green Room app today on all iOS devices. I believe their beta is out for the Android as well. Once again, download the Spotify Green Room app today. Anybody down the line further down the draft? I, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit familiar with Cole Quintanilla. I did a Locked On Big 12 podcast, so obviously saw a little bit of him. Um, anybody else that you see on this list that is somebody that sticks out to you that you've, that you've even heard of? You know, this is, this is not my area of expertise, yeah. so please – was anything else let me know i mean definitely the most notable pick uh that they made after you know the top five was darren baker uh who is the son of a former nats manager dusty baker hmm. of course the the kid who was scooped up uh in the 2002 world series at home plate oh that was him wow was him. i had no idea yeah he has now been drafted uh if that doesn't make you feel old um <laughs> he uh spent last year at cal uh he's a left-handed bat plays second base so uh you know i think it's interesting because dusty has kind of talked with ill will toward the nationals ever since leaving. Uh, he seems to kind of hold a grudge. They didn't bring him back to try and help him, you know, win a world series because, you know, he's like the winningest manager ever to not have won a world series. Right. Um, and obviously he has a chance for the Astros, but that didn't seem like it was possible uh, back when the nationals cut ties with him. So um, I thought it was interesting that they went after his son and, and, and brought him out. We'll see if he signs, uh, you know, with the Nats, uh, that might be a name to keep an eye on. You know, obviously, Dusty played for a long time in that middle of that uh, famed Dodgers infield uh, for, for a long time. So um, I think that's probably the most notable pick. Um, but overall, the class, you know, 
after that top 10, you know, they only go three pitchers in the top 10, but from then on, uh, they only select two position players or three position players from the rest of the way. Uh, so they, they really went back end with the pitchers, uh, which like, you know, Chris Klein said, or, or I said earlier that he said, uh, you know, he, they didn't see the top end pitchers there that they might've seen in, in, in drafts past, but he said that the pitching depth in this draft was better than the hitting depth. So uh, that, that this kind of shows, you know, all the way through that they really like uh, some of these guys toward the back end. And, you know, maybe they think that they can hit on them. We'll see. All right. Let's talk about the actual team itself. So 42 and 47 as they sit right now, what is it? Six and a half, six games back out of first place. Six, I think. Yeah. Six. Yeah. So to me, you know, as the trade deadline comes up, I mean, this is, this is less about the moves they have to make, but more like the thing that catches, that catches my eye the most, that I feel like I feel I feel myself repeating the most is about John Lester. Um, I, I think it's that might have to end. I, I think it needs to end because every fifth day in the starts that they've won recently, save the, the last time he pitched really well was that Mets game, right? And before that, he pitched well in the Pirates game. But those are two of the worst offenses in baseball. Against any offense that's worth a damn, he's been horrible. He has been absolutely atrocious. And to me, like – you know, last year, Austin, both you and I talked about it, right? They, they felt like they were sending out every fifth day just to slaughter. And um, he needed to change the scenery, and they couldn't afford it. I know they're banged up. I know it's hard. But the, one of the features of that 2019 championship team was Anibal Sanchez being a rock for them in that fourth position. And you need somebody who, you know, you don't need lights out. That's not what you need. But at least solid. He's costing them. He's costing them innings. He's costing them games. The bullpen has to be in action every single time he pitches. And to me, he's just not – he's not strong enough to remain in the rotation. A lot of people I talk to say, look, when's this coming? This The end's got to be coming soon because how many more times can you toss him out there and have him go not even three innings, right, not even four innings? It, it's To me, that is a definite issue every fifth day. Yeah, stay tuned because I will have a story on this exact topic a little bit Well, Wow, later. we're in sync, Matt. Yeah, well, I'll be diving. I'll be diving into that topic for sure. But j- just to kind of give you a, an overall sense of, of where they're at, that the Nats are going to have to make a move decision with him at some point because Joe Ross is only expected to miss one start. He's on the injured list right now. Uh, he should be activated within the first couple of days after the All Star break, and Steven Strasburg shouldn't be too far behind. I'm expecting him uh, to rejoin that Nats rotation within two weeks uh, of the All Star break. So um, at a certain point, they are going to have to decide. Who gets cut because uh, they're obviously going to have, you know, Strasburg, Scherzer and Corbin at the top. And then you have Fetty, Ross and Lester. Uh, and between those three right now, I think Lester is, like you said, the most obvious choice uh, to get cut. He'll probably be on the team to start the second half. Uh, but once they get really fully healthy, uh, if he really doesn't show signs of turning around, uh, you know, they don't have options with uh, Ross or Fetty. Uh, so they need to keep them in the, the major league rotation and the way Ross is pitching right now, I don't see how you can justify sending him down. Right. And we've seen also Fetty at his best this year at different points too. You know, we've seen Lester, you know, go seven innings, no runs. We absolutely have it. So, you know, I, I, I just think that at a certain point they're going to have to make that, that tough call. And if, if Lester doesn't really show signs of, of, you know, his former self, I don't see how you can justify keeping around. It's not like there's a spot from the bullpen either. One more pause for the cause on today's show. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. They've got 10 flavors right now. Coconut, cherry bar, chia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. 
17 grams uh, of protein, 17 or 18 grams of protein. Calorie ranges from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar and only four to five grams of net carbs. They are also the official bar of the U.S. track and field team. So you can feel like an Olympian while you're eating. I know I am not an Olympian, but I'd love to feel like one. Uh, while I am consuming a built bar, go to builtbar.com. Use that promo code LOCKED15. That's L O C K E D 1 5 LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com today. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. Yeah, I mean, you know, talk about like make that tough call. Sure, it's tough in the respect you got to let a guy go. And obviously, it's something that Davey has a relationship with, right? To me, it's not that tough. And what you're talking about right now with that pitching staff is like they, they're about to – their push is about to come, right? We saw them uh, – and correct me if I'm wrong, their schedule is actually pretty pretty like, relatively easier, the back yeah. stretch of the they season. They have the right? – it's 16th in the majors, so right in the middle of the pack, but the second easiest schedule the rest of the way for NL East teams. Only the Phillies have an easier schedule. And the Marlins and Braves – or sorry, Marlins and Mets have two of the top five most difficult schedules the rest of the way. So the Nats are definitely in a position where they are playing some lighter competition. And if you're going to make that push, you can't be out there every fifth day. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's getting to the point where it's pretty clear. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you also on like Fetty just came back from the injury. And I, I mean, I, I actually thought his last start was pretty decent. You know, I know it's five and three runs through five innings for a guy who's supposed to be your number six guy to start off the year. Right. The, the backup guy. It. Absolutely. Pretty, you take it. Absolutely. Take it. He's keeping them in ball games. And look, even Paulo Espino, has been keeping them in ball games. I mean, relatively speaking, like to guys, like because I mean, the start distances, the start lengths have kind of been similar, right? John Lester and Alex Spina are kind of going the same distances basically at this point. So I, I'm right there with you. A, a decision is going to come if everybody is healthy, and uh, I think it's going to come at his expense. Um, the, and this is the issue. Like once again, why did nobody want Taiwan Walker, Matt? Somebody explain to me this. Yeah. I look and once again, I didn't see him being this guy, but man, he was available for anybody who wanted him. Yeah, same um, Carlos Rodon, by the way. Yeah, same for Carlos Rodon, right? And look, I, I made the pitch for uh, I'm forgetting the guy's name now, uh, former White Sox and former Cub pitcher. Uh, James Shields? No, no, oh, who? No, no. Oh, Quintana? Yes. Now yes. that would have been a disaster. He was he's not been good at yeah. it. Uh, but it's still, there are other guys. Yes. Yeah. But there were other guys available, right? There were guys available who whose ages were were lower and numbers were a bit better than Lester's, uh, to my opinion. Now, also, what's the next area you think the Nationals would have to address? Because that's a move that look, it would naturally just be subtraction, right? You're not adding anybody at that point. You're actually just getting rid of a player in John Lester. Where is the need for addition? Do you think? Do you think they go with an extra outfielder because they're obviously at this point, you know, they. they they need not know Stevenson might come back soon, but do you think they go that route? Do you think they go with um, somebody maybe, you know, uh, a third baseman or somebody at, at second base? What do you think is the next logical move? Because, look, here's the thing. They're not selling. I mean, you, you've been hearing what I've been hearing, too. That's not the mode this team is in. Also, they've seen, they just saw themselves in the last month or so at their best, and at their best they were barnstorming their way through everybody they played. They cut that, what, nine-game lead in the division to two in a matter of a week and a half to two weeks. Yeah. They, they, they're six back. That's within the margin right now, uh, especially in this division. So, to me, do they go all out? No. But are they going to make some calculated Mike Rizzo risks? I, I think that's, that's going to be coming. What do you think on that front they might do? 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Selling is, is probably the last thing that this team wants to do. You know, they obviously have a few pieces that they could sell off. If they were to be sellers, you know, a guy like Brad Hand uh, would be enticing as a left-handed relief arm. Uh, you know, maybe a, a couple of those hitters, you know, Kyle Schwarber's on a one-year deal. Uh, Sarlon Castro, yeah, he's Sarlon Castro. Tearing the cover on the ball. Uh, you know, some of those guys, they definitely have some pieces, but their most attractive two pieces would be Scherzer and Turner. And Scherzer has already got a poison pill now. Uh, if, if he gets traded, he wants an extension. That pretty much rules out a trade, in my opinion. And then Trey Turner, they want to extend him. So, you know, I, I think the odds of them trading him uh, are also very low. So selling doesn't seem to just be very fortuitous for the team, uh, at least from their perspective. Uh, and Mike Rizzo has never been one to throw in the towel before. So if they're within five, four games and a couple of games under 500, I absolutely expect them to sell. You know, with the state of this division, you aren't going to need 90 wins to, to win the NL East. You mean you buy? You I buy. buy. Yeah, I think they're going to buy. Uh, in, in areas that they think they would address, I think the two big ones for me uh, would be the relief market. Uh, they definitely could use uh, another righty and another lefty. Uh, you know, Sam Clay. Uh, and then the combination who, as a lefty and then the combination of Tanner Rainey and Kyle Finnegan uh, at that back end alongside Hudson and, and Hand has not really been working. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think they could really use, you know, two more arms to kind of add to that mix that, you know, you have options with Finnegan, you have options with Clay, uh, you know, send them back down, bring up, you know, two guys that you can really rely on. And then you really have that four headed monster in the back of the bullpen uh, that you kind of need these days to get deep into the playoffs. As for the other area, I think it's probably the infield. You know, the outfield, yes, uh, they might need another outfielder, but they've, they've got Gerardo Parr in there, which they're not really looking to get rid of him at this point. Yeah, he hasn't been great. He hasn't been great, though. Yeah, no. But, uh, you know, Stevenson coming back at a certain point, you know, obviously Yadiel Hernandez hasn't hasn't done much, um, but they just signed uh, – oh, what's his name? It was with the Reds. Um, I can't remember his name. They just signed him to a minor league deal, sent him to AAA. Dietrich, Derek Dietrich. Uh, so that's kind of a depth move for him. Uh, I would imagine that he sees the major leagues at some point, uh, maybe even before Stevenson, because uh, they have him, they actually optioned him to AAA. They activated him and optioned him to AAA. So he's technically healthy now, uh, but just not on the roster. So, um, you know, they, they have options in the outfield. I think the infield is where they could really afford to upgrade. You know, they really don't need Jordy Mercer. You know, even when he comes back, you know, Alcides Escobar will be gone. Uh, you could replace Mercer. Uh, you know, with a guy like Eduardo Escobar, uh, who's on the Diamondbacks and has almost 20 home runs this year, or Jonathan Scope, who plays second base and, and can offer a lot of pop. Uh, you know, Starling Castro playing some of his best baseball uh, of the year right now, and it's hard to, to say that he needs to be taken out of the lineup, but the, the overall season picture is not very pretty for Castro. He's far and away been the worst hitter in that lineup. Uh, and, you know, you, you kind of have to think that, you know, if they add a second baseman or a third baseman, Maybe he cycles in with Castro. You platoon him. Uh, you know, Josh Harrison obviously, you know, can play second and third. So I, I, I would see. I, I think you'd see a mixture of those two guys, right? Kind of yeah. with those guys fa- not being phased in and out. I think the one nice thing for Harrison is the fact that he can play the outfield some. Yeah. So that might actually give you some flexibility in that respect. That you, maybe you could you could bump Harrison to left field as long as Schwarber's out. You could slide Castro to second or third, whatever you want to do, and then put in the second baseman right there. Exactly. I don't think they're going to go for a guy like Chris Bryant, you know, somebody who no. a would cost prospects that they don't have and be, you know, be a rental uh, at an extraordinary price. It's just not really the way Mike Rizzo's operated. Somebody like Eduardo Escobar uh, or Jonathan Scope, uh, to me, you know, are guys that don't command an everyday presence in the lineup, uh, but certainly would be really useful tools for Davey Martinez uh, to kind of fill out that lineup and just make it a little bit longer. 
you know, it's funny because the Nationals uh, lineup when healthy, they only have one hitter who has uh, on sub 100 OPS plus, and that's Castro. Uh, so every mm-hmm. hitter in that lineup has actually been an above average hitter uh, this season, other than Castro. It just kind of, you don't really realize it because of how slow of starts a lot of those guys had. It's, it, that's exactly right. I mean, Castro, slower start. Well, he kind of was up and down, but um, the only guys with fast starts, Josh Harrison got off to a great start, and Trey was obviously out of the gate pretty well too. But, yeah, like Josh Josh Bell's numbers, I mean, have been really good. Yeah. Ryan Zerman has really tanked lately. It's been pretty sad to watch. Um, still gets a standing ovation every single time he hits, though, every, every pinch hit. But I, I will – Huh? Deservedly so. Yeah, deser- yes, deservedly so if everything he's done. But – it was really funny, Matt. They made me do a preseason prediction, bold prediction at the beginning of the season. And I'll be I'll be totally honest. My bold prediction, I didn't believe it. I said that either Schwarber or Bell, one of the acquisitions, would make the All-Star uh, All-Star team. And um, wow. I I did not believe that was true. They made me do it, and I said that, and it turned out to be true. And Josh Bell came along. He's been excellent uh, for the latter half of the season. And it, it kind of makes you think about what could have been right those two guys had such great springs and had them derailed by COVID, you know, and just had to randomly rejoin the team in St. Louis all of a sudden. Right. And and that just kind of knocked things off track for them. And those guys have really come around. And I feel like we haven't talked about that enough because those two guys well, Schwarber, obviously, but I think more Josh Bell, such a big reason why the nationals are still competitive right now is that he has been somebody that ever since the COVID stuff, has been able to get back on track, right? He's, he's been there basically every single time, that, every day, every time I needed him, he's been available. He's been there. So, um, you know, I think maybe some people were thinking, oh, no, the Nats might have to figure something out here at first base as Zerman starts declining like this and Bell doesn't pick it up. But, you know, he, he's been really strong. So I, I do think they're one of those super moves away. To me, the, the issue of them is they just, just got to get healthy. They yeah. have been so ravaged by injuries. I mean, the fact that Alcides Escobar, has been leading off and playing shortstop for them. Like how many teams in the league this year have had to deal with stuff like where Yadiel Hernandez, right? Or Alex Avila playing second base and then hurts himself playing second base, right? I mean, this team has been so snake bitten with injuries. I know it sounds like an excuse. They've done an okay job battling through it, but it just kind of gave you, it showed you why this team was not poorly constructed, but it, it wasn't deep at all. Like this team really lacked depth, I thought, coming into the year. And that's where teams like the Mets, teams like the Dodgers, teams like the Padres, teams like the Giants. I mean, those teams are built with depth. And that's why they're so successful. The Mets are a great example. Jonathan VR being available there for them to use. Kevin Pillar, another guy. Those were not supposed to be two everyday guys. They've become that and they have excelled in those spots. So I think it just speaks to how much depth you need. And if you're not willing sometimes to spend on that depth, it's going to put you in a tough spot, especially in a weird season like this where the, the guys aren't, you know, it still kind of feels like we're in a weird season coming off the heels of last year. Yeah, the, the Nationals' depth, honestly, since like 2015 hasn't been good. And uh, that's that's just kind of been their MO is, you know, they're, they're a stars and scrubs type team. You know, in order for them to play at their best, their best players have to be at their best. And we saw what that looks like when it's all going together in 2019. And We've seen several instances of what it looks like when it's not, you know, 2018 is a, you know, Davies first season with the Nats. They were snake bitten by injuries that year. They were, you know, miss Strasburg for a good chunk of time, uh, missed several bats in their lineup. Uh, you know, Harper had a, an injury that year too, or no, no Harper was ineffective that year. 
Yeah. Uh, which, you know, like I said, they need their best players to be at their best. And then Harper was just kind of meh. Um, so overall, you know, it really, uh, this team, we knew that the, the depth wasn't there coming in. We knew that they had to have guys like Strasburg uh, and Soto really carrying this team. And, you know, to this point, they really haven't. Uh, and obviously surprise performances from guys like Schwarber uh, have been really good to see. And, and Josh Bell has, has turned out to be a pretty good find for the Nats too. Uh, you know, overall, like you said before, in June, we saw what this team was like at its best. This team can win. They can beat good teams too. You know, they weren't just beating up on a bunch of bottom feeders during that stretch. Like, you know, they they took three or four against the Mets. They uh, split series with the Rays. They, they, they were banged up and should have taken three or four from San Diego. Yeah. I mean, you know, exactly. You know, they were right there. And and obviously where they are right now, they're, they're five games under 500. It's actually the first time since 2011 that the Nats are under 500 at the All-Star break, uh, which is pretty crazy to think about. Uh, but, you know, we knew that this stretch leading the All-Star break was going to be tough. I mean, they, were, they played the Padres, they played the Dodgers, and they played the Giants. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. NOS gauntlet right there. And they were playing some tough teams before that. And obviously the injuries just really started to pile up and they almost limped into the All-Star break. Uh, but after this uh, you know, break. They got three against the Padres to kick off the second half. And then they play six straight series against teams with a losing record. So, you know, that right there is going to be you know, an opportunity for them, for them to really show, okay, you know, we're back healthy. You know, maybe they get a, a couple more reinforcements back. Uh, you know, if the bullpen can settle down, can they really, you know, go on a run here and pull back to within shouting distance of the Mets to the point where you can really believe that they can actually go on and win the vision. It would be crazy I feel like if the Nats do win the division, it'll be like they don't take first place until the last two weeks of the year. So right. they never really hold first place until the very end. You know, that, that just right. kind of and, feels and like just, kind of just get yourself, you know, and look, I usually set benchmarks, this kind of stuff. By the end of August, you'd like to be within two to three games, right? And then and that's basically, you know, if, if anybody watches Formula One out of there, it's a lot of new fans. That's overtake mode. That's, that's what they call DRS range in, in Formula One. But I will say this, Matt. The Acuna injury really takes out – it feels like it takes all of the wind out of the Braves' sails. They're playing some decent baseball. Are we really afraid of the Phillies? No. Are you really – no. They don't They don't scare me at all. They're not a second-half team. And then – no, no, they're not. And then uh, I'm totally blanking on uh, the Marlins, right? So the Marlins are not not a team that we think – no, I, I do think the Marlins are a couple years away from being very, very good. Actually, Maybe even fewer game. than a couple years. You know, what, they, you know what's really funny? They need a couple that, bats in their lineup. Yes, but you know what's really funny – is that I was thinking, oh, the Marlins, you know, they, they might want to take this thing slow because they, they might not be able to contend for a little while. They might be able to contend a lot quicker. With the state of the other teams in the division right now, it, it's going to be – I mean, nobody's doing really particularly well. So uh, they might be a lot closer than we thought. But, yeah, I mean, look, the Mets have been vulnerable, not healthy, but still vulnerable. Now they're healthy. Let's see what happens with them. But the Nats, it's kind of one of those uh, go one and know every day type things, the cliche, but, like, if, if you're really in a position, if you focus on yourself, to definitely catch them. Do not look up. Worry about yourself because there's a lot to worry about there. You know what I mean? With just how many moving parts there's been. Yeah. But if they if they do what they did in June, or they even do half of what they did in June, they'll be on track to, to pick off the Mets or at least be right with the Mets at some meaningful point. So I think, I think they can do it. it. Just a lot of stuff needs to break their way. Matt, what are you working on right now? Where do people find you and your work? Yep, I'm over uh, at NBCSportsWashington.com. You can find all my stuff uh, having to do with the Nationals and other D.C. sports. Got a few stories cooking up, uh, looking ahead to the second half over the next couple of days, so stay tuned for those. I'm also on Twitter, 
uh, at by Matt Weirich. Go ahead and give me a follow over there too. All right, Matt Weirich, NBC Sports Washington. We thank you for your time. Absolutely. Thanks, Josh. Got to round out the show today thanking Matt Weirich. Man, how awesome is that, dude? Give us an hour of his time. Two episodes last couple days. You missed part one. You go check it out yesterday. A lot of fun talking with Matt, as always. Uh, make sure you guys follow uh, closely. Locker room's coming tomorrow. Um, we're gearing up, man. Second half, here it comes. I mean, this All-Star break, thank God, has felt a lot shorter than most of them have. It's mostly because of the other sports going on. But there's been so much to talk about. Hopefully, guys are getting well-rested. They're enjoying their time off because um, things get kicking, rocking, and rolling tomorrow. A lot of teams have workouts. And Friday, we're back to brass tacks, my friends. Baseball picks right back up where we left off. So make sure you follow us at LO underscore Nationals. You can follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Until next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.